Hello and welcome to this next episode of our podcast here at Jazz Community Church, looking at our vision in 2019. Today we're going to be hearing from another member of the church, part of our congregation, um, Paul, who is also the chair of the trustees, and he's going to be reflecting back on some of the things shared so far and speaking into um, the vision as well, particularly thinking about what it means to live by the Spirit in that in that way of Jesus, that way of discipleship um, in uh, the in the day and age that we live. So look forward to hearing from him in a moment. Uh, but before we do, just a quick reminder uh, that you can uh, connect with us in a lot of different ways. You can visit our website www.jazz community.church we're on Facebook and Twitter as well just search for Jazz Community Church and we'd love to see you on a Sunday afternoon 4 o'clock at Cambridge Road Methodist Church in Kings Heath in Birmingham in the UK do um, drop in and see us sometime we'd love to see you so for the time being let's uh, hand over to Paul so one of the things that um, we want to look at in uh, this series uh, is how Uh, we can uh, improvise life um, in the context of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul writes uh, in Galatians 5.25, towards the end of that letter to uh, the Galatian church, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I'm wondering what what that means for us today. Uh, How do we uh, improvise life together? How do we do that uh, keeping in step with the Spirit. <clears throat> uh, one of the things that I've been really thinking about over the last uh, couple of years is um, been, I've been looking at some of my uh, books on my uh, bookshelf. And, uh, for instance, um, I've, got, I've got, you know, well-known 20th century textbooks like um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And when I first read this in the in the nineties, uh, it really uh, struck a chord with me about uh, how some of the important things uh, that we need to have in our lives uh, to be effective. So things like synergy and uh, starting with the end in mind and those kind of things. <clears throat> and um, those kind of books were uh, were, were a, a kind of big influence not only on um, my life but I think in the lives of many many people. Uh, that are still alive today and there's so much else which uh, reflects this um, stepped strategy to life um, so I've got a great book for instance in my, in my bookcase called um, you know leading change and there's like eight steps to um, to creating that kind of change culture and this had a, a big impact <clears throat> on my own uh, philosophy on life, um, you know, almost to the point where it's like, well, the answer is is just a series of steps. Um, but I think we all realise that um, now that, that life isn't quite that easy. In fact, even Stephen Covey uh, he sold 10 million copies of that book. Um, even he realised it wasn't enough and he produced the book. Uh, and if I could show it to you now, I, I would hold it in front of you and say, look at the size of... The, the the what he called the eighth habit um it's actually the size of the book is bigger than the other seven put together and so even he realized after a while um that just a step strategy wasn't quite enough um although it was maybe a good start 
<clears throat> and I suppose a lot of this goes back to the the times of the uh, the Industrial Revolution uh, that happened, and it all kind of kicked off here in the UK in the Midlands um, two hundred years ago. We were at the very centre of that change, uh, where they suddenly discovered how to um, do things like cut circles in metal, or to work things in such a way with such precision. Uh, that they could make things like engines and things like that. And that changed um, our culture and our lifestyles forever. And modernism was seen as, as you know, for 200 years as the way forward. Um, any question that we've got has got a, an answer somewhere, and it's just a case of finding it. And this wasn't just true of um, industrial or, or kind of corporate things. Or even educational things. It was. It seemed to be true about everything, including um, our understanding of God. Uh, that people could find a passage in Scripture and get you the answer to how to live your life or how to keep in step with the Spirit. And this this was very very um, yeah it seemed very attractive. I think for for many decades. Um, and there's even a, a book I've got on my bookshelf called Systematic Theology, where there is definitely a kind of system and a, a kind of stepped approach to uh, theology that could be applied, um, almost like a scientific solution or an equation that could be reached for every question. Um, but interestingly, uh, in, in re more recent times, I think society has uh, realised that actually um, this is this is not the improvising life that is attractive um the, the people with greater knowledge and greater freedoms people are not finding the easy answers necessarily the best answers and so here at uh, jazz community church we want to try and find the the right way to question the right way to approach um our beliefs and our understandings we want to keep in step with the spirit as paul writes um we also need to understand that you know our understanding of the spirit is that it it's a kind of wild and free spirit that won't be boxed in it was there at the beginning of time and scripture says it kind of blows where it wherever it wants and we have to um we have to respect that so keeping in step with that kind of spirit is not going to be an easy predictable way of doing things um there's a well-known um, uh, author of, of leadership. His name is Max Dupre, uh, who died a couple of years ago. Um, but around the time of the turn of the century, he wrote a couple of books on leadership. Uh, one was called uh, Leadership is an Art. And there was another one called Leadership Jazz, uh, which I've kind of delved into a little bit and had a look at the uh, the highlights of that book. And it's really interesting because he talks about um, a leader's uh, touch, but uh, but also a leader's voice being really important uh, and being real and being in the moment in leadership, responding to situations, um, almost saying, look, you need to be in step with what's happening in the world, in step with the spirit, um, is what he might say. And um, and that was really interesting to do that. But But actually, he said... Uh, in his book, um, Leadership is an Art, uh, Max Dupre says, we do not grow by knowing all of the answers, 
but rather by living with the questions. Um, living with the questions is more important, he says, than knowing all the answers. And the problem is nowadays it's very easy to go and find all the answers, isn't it? I mean, you've, you've, you know, if you want to know what um, what 25 feet is in metric measurement, all you've got to do is is put that in Google and you'll have an answer within a tenth of a second. And it's very easy. Um, the problem is that nobody's explained to you the equation how to do that. They've just kind of said, here's the answer. Uh, but actually, you could work it out for yourself without needing to go to your device to find the answer to that question. But it requires what, what many educationalists are calling deep learning now rather than shallow learning. Shallow learning is, well, you've learned that 25 feet is 7 point whatever metres. Um, deep learning would be to say uh, the equation is I divide the number of feet by this, 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 and I get to my answer. Um, and you work out how to, to formulate any answer uh, or any equation like that. And it, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm involved in, in education and I've been on uh, quite some really, a really interesting journey uh, with education over the last 15 years or so. And one of the things I've I've learned about being involved in education and um, and looking at uh, how people learn is that actually people don't learn in a straight line. So imagine now I'm going to draw a graph and I'm going to draw uh, you know an, an axis going vertically, an axis going horizontally, and the learning over time, the increased learning over time, goes up at a nice 45 degree angle. That just doesn't you know, we, life would be so much easier if we all learnt like that. We all know it. it, it is a, a very irregular graph. Certain things happen. We have a eureka moment. Other things happen. It has no effect on us. Um, and so there's a. if we looked at our own learning in any particular topic, whatever that topic was, um, it would be very much a, uh, an, an irregular kind of pattern of learning with peaks and troughs and... Uh, random shapes and actually the the other thing which happens is really important is the depth of the learning that takes place at the same time so not just learning that three times three is nine but actually knowing what the form what that implications of that are so that it can form a square or a diamond or it could have three dimensions to get to this nine um so so much learning that can take place which has depth to it as well uh, but one of the interesting developments recently is um, it kind of progressed on from this shallow and deep learning uh, uh, theory of learning. And that was developed by a guy called James uh, Nottingham. And uh, he basically developed this idea where when you hit a, a, a kind of minor crisis or a, a something you don't understand, you have to go down into a pit to understand it fully. Uh, and so when you go down into this pit, um, you can you can get angry, you can get sad, you can get nervous, you can feel anxious. You can even feel annoyed that you don't know the answer to uh, this question. You haven't found the solution. And so you kind of, it kind of gets you down and you go into this, this pit. Um, and you might even hit a wall where you can't, you know, you, you can't get any further of your understanding. Um, and you start asking some serious questions. Kind of reminds me a little bit of um, 
of Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus at night and he had some questions. He said, you know, what have I got to do to be saved? And, and what's this about being born again? And how does this work? And how does that work? And he kind of reached a point where he was grappling with some pretty big questions. And um, the answers that Jesus gave him didn't really help him immediately. It helped him to kind of go down into the pit. And he had to almost deconstruct the wall that he found that was down there. Uh, and this is what happens when you're in the you're in the pit. You you start to dismantle things a little bit, and by um, living with those questions for a while, you start to grow and you start uh, to realize that if you try again, there are solutions, but not necessarily the solutions, not necessarily the answers to the questions that you originally came up with, um, or you go and get help. Or you look at it from a, a completely different um, perspective and get uh, some fresh ideas. And so you kind of drop down into this pit and then you eventually come out again, the other side, um, a much stronger person. Now, the shallow way of learning, the easy way, if you like, of learning, the shortcut would be just to kind of find out that answer uh, before you even uh, ask the kind of ancillary questions. And you you end up just kind of jumping over the pit and you miss the growth and the learning that happens within that process itself. And and James Nottingham basically says uh, that this this process is what gives people a kind of growth mindset and enables them to take more, uh, to, to increase their capacity over time. And I find this really, really uh, helpful, insightful. And if we're thinking about doing this in a in, in a way which helps us to improvise life and follow Jesus together, then then there will be times when we grapple with some some serious questions, where we go to maybe some dark places, or rather than following a, a kind of formulaic, uh, easy answer uh, process, we have to. Uh, live with the questions uh, so that was really helpful for me and i suppose it's you know in a musical sense uh it's like the difference between playing a kind of mozart where you get some really nice perfect cadences and really nice finished um pieces of art that kind of help you feel really happy and and kind of your brain feels joined up somehow from these uh, from this very cleverly constructed classical music and then you get involved in in uh, in listening or playing jazz and you realize that actually grappling with the uncertainties of the harmonies and and being not sure what's going to happen next from one bar to the next uh in terms of improvising um there's there's a lot of depth to be had there i think the um the other thing I, I, I want to talk about briefly is um, who is responsible for kind of tackling those questions because that's a real uh, a real issue for us as a church and for uh, Christians across the world at the moment. Who is responsible? You know, if we're saying that there are questions that we need to ask, and if we're saying that there are um, people 
that we need to help along the way. Um, whose responsibility is it uh, to help them in uh, the pit or the uh, face the questions that are there? And so uh, the first thing I, I think I'd want to look at is to look at myself. And I really want to uh, kind of help people to... You know, to think about um, uh, an inverted pyramid like this, and we, there's a lot of uh, leadership in the past that has kind of come, you know, where the the CEO of an organisation has made decisions and then communicated them downwards um, to their subordinates, uh, or some clever educationalist has kind of gone, okay, well, the way we learn is uh, I tell you my theories and everybody. Uh, kind of follows on and that kind of that way of thinking is a bit like that kind of stepped approach and actually I think we need to kind of turn that upside down and start at a different place uh, when you start with each of us individually and uh, consider if we're going to keep in step with the spirit um, then it's each of us needs to keep in step with the spirit uh, it's not the the pastor or the leader of the church that needs to, to keep in the in step with the spirit and then tell us how all that is going to work play out or make the decisions for us actually there's a sense that for each one of us individually we nurture our faith we nurture our hope we nurture our love we are responsible for our own development and growth to a large extent we need to take care of our own well-being and to be able to respond uh, to things in the right kind of way so people talk about this be, about being res response able not responsible but response able so in other words being able to respond uh, in a in a spirit-filled way uh, in the right way in a in a in a healthy growth kind of uh, minded way uh, to what happens to them in life because we have no choice sometimes about things that happen to us in life uh, it just happens and it might stir up some questions you know why did this happen to me um, and sometimes we don't have a choice in that that's just kind of what how things roll uh, but we do have a choice as to how we respond to them and this is what you know responsibility uh, is really all about and so I want to start with that kind of bottom of the triangle to kind of say look it starts with each one of us. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with all of us. We all have a sense of um, uh, a need to grab our own um, our own growth, our own responsibility, our own development as people, as spiritual people. Um, that needs to happen. And if we kind of go up the next uh, step of this inverted pyramid there's a kind of wider team so now we've gone from a kind of small base um, I want you to imagine we're kind of going up uh, into a, a wider midsection where there is this kind of uh, uh, breadth of people that we're part of okay and that's what it you know, that's what it means to be part of a, a wider team and we have a team here at uh, Jazz Community Church we have a group of people uh, who are committed to improvising life and following Jesus together. And 
our job as a team is, yeah, we take individual responsibility, but also we look to the strengths and the skills of those around us. Um, we look to complement each other. So, you know, one person, you know, we are all wired completely differently. God made us in his own image, but we are all unique. Uh, and we have all different strengths and skills. Um, but in, uh, in, in the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, um, we're the, uh, this, this group of people that the, the author was writing to uh, was, was basically exalted to kind of support and encourage each other um, and not to give up meeting together, but, but to keep doing this, this kind of uh, following Jesus thing together okay, as a team and to build something bigger rather than just thinking of themselves. So it start, yeah, it starts with us individuals but actually that feeds in to something bigger a team which is which is much bigger than than us as individuals and then thirdly from there from the team then we go out and serve we are uh, god's ambassadors we are uh, people that can show that we care we go the extra mile as as jesus said in the sermon on the mount in uh, matthew chapter 5 um you know, if he says, well, if somebody wants you to go a mile, just go the extra mile. And this is something which has become part of uh, common language now, that is part of our, um, our English kind of language heritage, that it's become a saying. But actually, a lot of these sayings uh, were sayings of, of Jesus or from the Bible. And this is one such saying where he's basically saying, look, um, if you want to really show that uh, that you have compassion and care, we need to go that extra mile. Um, we need to stretch out to make, so we start with this small period at the bottom and then it expands out to the midsection and gets wider. And then we go from there and go wider still. Um, we need to clearly give people the resources that they need to improvise life well, don't we? We need to really show people and help people to improvise life well and sometimes that involves um serving them well um because you know it's our, as a community our calling is to is to serve a jazz community church exists not for ourselves or to play better jazz or to get deeper into the jazz kind of stuff we're there to serve other people, to help them uh, to wrestle with those questions, to live with those questions that they have. You know, why is this happening to me? What, how do I get myself out of this mess? Um, what What is the relevance of Jesus to society today? These are questions that we want to help people uh, to not to give them easy answers but to actually say, hey, you know what? These are great questions. These are questions that people came to Jesus with. Um, and sometimes they were in dark places. And you know what? It, sometimes the, the answer to the question is not um, not necessarily an easy answer. Sometimes it's a deeper question. But we can help you with that. We can serve you. Uh, we can provide the space for you to do that. And I think that's great. And I think what we have to invite people uh, to join us on on this journey, uh, 
uh, as we improvise life and follow Jesus together. Well, that's it for today. A big thank you to Paul for leading us in our thinking and challenging us in our thinking there when it comes to the vision of Jazz Community Church. So it'd be good to um, connect with you if you've been interested by the content of today's um, message, as it were, then uh, do get in contact with us. You can visit us at www.jazzcommunity.church or on Facebook and Twitter. And we'd love to see you on a Sunday afternoon sometime. We gather for worship at four o'clock in Kings Heath in Birmingham. So until next time, speak to you then. <laughs>